You're listening to the Douglas Jacoby Podcast. Here we bring you some of the material found on Douglas's website in podcast form. We hope that as you listen, you are challenged to think about faith. Today, Douglas continues his series on New Testament characters, now looking at the life of Claudia. For more on this episode, follow the link in the show notes to Douglas's website. Now here's today's teaching. This podcast is on the person of Claudia Procula, the wife of Pontius Pilate. So if you haven't yet listened to the previous podcast on Pilate, I would encourage you to do that. That'll give you helpful background information so that you can better understand this uh, mysterious woman of history. Claudia is the wife of Pontius Pilate, governor of Judea, 26 to 36 AD. Uh, There are certain professions that require families to move, and sometimes to move a lot. I don't know how many times Pilate had moved before. We do know that he was recalled to Rome in 36 and apparently lived a bit longer. But Claudia, his wife, really didn't have a choice. Perhaps you're listening to this and, and you're married and you have a husband. And you may have re- relocated because of your husband's career. Or perhaps you, as a man, have changed cities, moved cities because of your wife's career or her education. So we've got to think of Claudia uh, in reference to Pilate. It's not that she wasn't her own woman. That's not the point. But she was defined by society as the wife of Pilate. She had to relocate because of her husband's career. She moved to a distant land. Now, if you look at a, a map of the Mediterranean world, I suppose you can say, well, if they grew up in Italy and they end up in Israel, it's not really that far away. It's, it's far away. It is a long way away. I mean, Israel uh, would have thought of Italy as being the ends of the earth. Obviously not the exact ends of the earth, but, but not, not too far off. Have you ever moved to a distant land because of work? How about a place where people didn't speak your language? You know, so pilots interacting with all of his associates, and they're probably speaking Latin, which I imagine was Claudia's uh, native language. But the world, the Mediterranean world, was really a world of Greek. I, I would guess that Claudia was an educated woman and had probably studied some Greek in school. I don't know. But what was spoken most around Mediterranean Israel, uh, the area of Caesarea uh, Maritima, Maritime Caesarea, was not uh, Latin. I mean, there was certainly Greek there, but but Hebrew or Aramaic would have been the commonest languages heard there. So just, you've got to think of a woman who's who's made some sacrifices, who's who's moved across the empire because of her husband's career, who's moved. Uh, to a, a, a land that's exotic, that has different customs, where she may have felt isolated or misunderstood, where people don't speak her language. Okay, so that's just a little bit of background. I would love to give you more, but I would be speculating a lot if I did. Claudia appears in Matthew's Gospel in this single verse. So let's read it. Besides, well, Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, His wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. That's Matthew 27, 
19. So the dream was Thursday night or Friday morning of the Passion Week. You know, Jesus was, pray, was praying. He was arrested on that Thursday evening. Uh, they had the, the show trial, so to speak. He was delivered, perhaps at sunrise, uh, to Pilate. And during the time when Pilate is, is interviewing Jesus, and, and this may have still been very early, Claudia um, is startled by her dream, and she sends word to her husband. She really believes that that God or the gods, whatever she thinks, have have been giving her an important message. Some early Christians imagined that the dream was sent by God to help Claudia to become a Christian. You cannot disprove that. Others suggested that this was actually Satan's scheme. That Satan was... Think about this. If Satan got his way, if he really understood what the crucifixion would have done, then he wouldn't have wanted Jesus to be crucified, right? So they suggested that Satan was trying to thwart the crucifixion. This is a little bit off of our subject, but I remember some uh, writer in the second century who talked about the cross as being like a fish hook. So Satan doesn't understand. He orchestrates through the powers that be, powers that were, to have Jesus killed. But in doing so, he damaged his cause irreparably. You know, he took the bait, like the fish who says, oh, that that bait looks great, and he bites the bait, but inside is the hook. So the cross was sometimes viewed as a fish hook. We don't really know how to interpret the dream, but I do know this. In Scripture, God spoke through dreams to a number of people, believers and non-believers. Now, it's a little problematic to say, what does God do today? I I don't even really know how to analyze that. I mean, certainly I, I think that my dreams reflect what's going on in my head and my heart, to claim that that's God speaking to me, uh, that, that always has made me very uncomfortable. But just think of the Bible. Unbelievers, non-believers, to whom God has spoken, like Pharaoh. Um, in Genesis 40, Joseph interprets the dream, or uh, Daniel interpreting the dream of Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian, and Daniel too. Remember when uh, you have this delightful story of Esther and Mordecai. In the book of Esther, Xerxes cannot sleep. He's troubled. So he says in es- Esther 6.1, you know, bring me my, you know, bring me my records. I'll, I'll read through the annals. And, and then that, that's when he notices that, that Mordecai has never been honored. Uh, well, there, there are a number of interesting things that happen when we are sleepless. Isn't that true? <laughs> and in the Bible, sometimes God speaks to unbelievers. His will is done, even, even as we sleep. Well, so we don't really know what happened to Claudia in later legend she was considered to be some kind of a saint. Some of the Orthodox actually consider her to be a saint. She's Saint Claudia. There's a very elaborate description um, in what's called the Acts of Pilate. This was never in the Bible. This is centuries too late, but that's fourth century. Although she's also mentioned in a more moderate way in the second century literature. But this is, it's too late. It's way after the first century. And besides, these documents tended to, uh, let's say they had an agenda of propaganda kind of a ring of propaganda to the they're, they're trying to to de-emphasize the tension between uh, Christianity and Rome to, to make the the church in Rome appear to be uh, let's say more on the same wavelength so I think while there may be kernels of truth in some of those later traditions when you're moving a century or two beyond the first century uh, I think you've got to take everything with a grain of salt a massive shaker of salt perhaps but you may wonder, could Claudia have become a Christian? 
Well, I don't know. I just don't know. In the book of Acts, we do see several upper-class women responding to the gospel. Actually, quite a few as you read through Acts. So I don't think we can rule that out. Uh, it, maybe it was more likely that the wife would have become a Christian. I mean, for a pilot, it would have had some pretty serious implications for his career. But there's no direct evidence for the speculation that Claudia became a Christian. So what can we learn? We really don't have much. We just have that single verse, Matthew 27, 19, and a lot of later superstition and legend that I don't think we can trust. And we have a little bit of biblical background in that God occasionally sends messages to to the outsiders, to the pagans, through through dreams. What are the lessons for us? Here's, here's what I get. Two two main lessons, and then a piece of advice if you're um, if you're a woman. Although I, I think this will apply to men too, if you think about it. Well, first lesson is to be sensitive to subtle cues that God may be giving us. Sometimes God gives us cues. Sometimes He drops hints and clues. But even if you don't know whether well, is that from God or not, when strange things happen or you have a dream or there's a coincidence or something remarkable, don't just rush on with life without giving it some thought. There may be a lesson there for us. Be sensitive to the subtle cues God may be giving us. Now, the next one, and I actually repeat this practical from the, the podcast on, on Pontius Pilate, is don't ignore your wife's counsel. Because, as, as it's widely recognized, women are often more spiritually attuned than men. So, it's not, it's not smart to ignore your wife's advice. Now, here's my piece of personal counsel. If your husband is a knucklehead, do share spiritual input. Now, what do I mean? Do I mean if he's a non-Christian? Maybe. Although, I, I know plenty of of uh, Christian brothers who are knuckleheads <laughs> more than outsiders are, and I've been a knucklehead many times myself. If you're a man listening to this, come on, be honest. But if, if your husband is, you know, he's just not doing the right thing, yes, share spiritual input. I mean, Claudia was pretty urgent to get that message to her husband, but she, I mean, I think it was the right time, and any later, and it would have been in, in no position to affect his decision. Here, we, we, we know that because she sent the message, this was in the back of his mind, even when he rendered what was ultimately the wrong decision. But do share input strategically. I mean, make sure that it's the right subject, that you've drawn the right conclusion. So important to bring things up at the right time. You know, maybe if you let it go any longer, it won't have any impact. Or maybe this is too soon, and you know you need to wait till the opportune moment. And also bringing things up in the right tone. So the right subject, the right time, the right tone, really make spiritual input that you give to someone else count. Let it be strategic. Okay? So I get that uh, from uh, the lesson of Claudia. She's a very, uh, uh, certainly a minor character in the New Testament, uh, unlike her husband, Pilate, who serves a much bigger role. But that doesn't mean we cannot learn from her. I hope you've enjoyed this. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed Douglas's teaching on New Testament characters. For additional notes and resources, be sure to check out Douglas's website in the show notes. The website has hundreds of articles, podcasts, and videos for you to access for free. You can also become a premium subscriber and gain access to thousands of online resources from Douglas's teaching ministry. 
Thanks again for listening. 